God rested on the seventh day, he's incredibly busy. But he is doing work that is restful because it's under his rule and authority. It's his cosmos that he has set up in the first six days. He is at rest. And because of the lack of the evening and morning motif, what do we know about God's rule? It didn't end on day seven, like we have been programmed to think. His rule extended into day eight and day nine and day 10. God's rule exists even to today. Welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast, where men rediscover courageous masculinity. Pull up a chair as we gain strength from the stories of God working in the lives of ordinary men today. These men have discovered that in a world of superficiality and isolation, we need authentic brotherhood to gain strength for the battles we face every day. Brought to you by the ministry of CLC, which challenges men to an uncommon pursuit of Christ, welcome to Empowered Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back again. This is Mike Hatch, your host, and as usual, I'll be joined by best-selling author Chris Bollinger. This is our third and final installment of our interview with Greg Hall, who is the author of the fantastic book, Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to Sabbath Isn't Working. In this episode, which obviously is a little shorter, maybe more like 15 minutes or so, we get into a little bit more details about how this all impacts our life and how we should be approaching rest now from an everyday perspective. Now, we don't take a lot of time to dive into this too deeply, so I would love to hear back from you, our listeners, if you would like us maybe to have Greg back on and talk a little bit more about what it looks like to live every day uh, in Christ's rest as opposed to being restless. And so if you're interested in hearing more, reach out to me. My email address is mhatch at clchq.org. I'd love to hear from you. And especially with regard to Greg, whether we, I think we're going to have him back on no matter what at some point. But if we hear from you that you want more of what he's talking about, I'd love to hear from you and we will definitely do that. In the meantime, please remember this is a listener-supported podcast, so if you would like to partner with us financially here at CLC and uh, in our work to disciple men all over the world, we would be honored and humbled and grateful. You can just go to our homepage at clchq.org and click on the blue donate button on the top right-hand side of the homepage. That'll bring up another box. You just indicate how much you want to give. You click the drop-down menu and designate it to the National Fund, and then in the comments, just type in there, Empowered Manhood. That way we know that you found us through the podcast. Last thing I want to mention just briefly, I had the privilege of publishing my first book, which is going to be released on February 21st this month, and man, I am so grateful to so many of you who have already pre-ordered it ordered it through Amazon, and if you haven't already, it's available to do that. The book is entitled Manhood, Empowered by the Light of the Gospel, and it follows my own journey uh, of recovery from pornography, and then also I elaborate on some of the things I've learned over, over, over 20 years, really, of discipling men, and honestly, that's the fact that so many men today are disempowered because we operate out of fear and insecurity, 
and we lack confidence in handling the Word of God or leading our families. Obviously, that's part of the impetus of this podcast and what we do at CLC. And my hope is that this book will be a jumping-off point for many men who uh, who will hopefully learn what it means to be, as I talk about in the book, known by God, grown by God, and owned by God. A digital course accompanies the book as well, and it's it's free along with the book when you buy it. And I walk you through the book chapter by chapter, go through the discussion questions with you, offer resources and insights, and I'd love to be on the journey with you toward empowered manhood. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump in. Here is our last interview with Greg Hall. Day seven never ended. In, in other words, the theological events or what was happening on day seven never ended. And I usually point this out by asking the question, what did God do on the eighth day? And that's going to reveal what you think about the seventh day, right? Because most of us would say that God rested on the seventh day. We don't know why, because he's all-powerful. And the best we can come up with is some sort of a conglomeration of he's modeling for humanity what we should do. Or the other thing that you'll hear most often is, He's taking a day to just take in the first six days, the accomplishments of the first six days, and he's he's somehow <laughs> gloating, right? Taking a day to gloat in the accomplishments yes. of the first six days. That's what you hear because that's the best we can come up with. As if God is just like us. Exactly. He's right? posting to the first social media network. <laughs> he's waiting for the hundred <laughs> likes or the shares account to get up there a little bit, and then he's back to work on day eight. That's that's the way we have been taught to read that or see that, because that's what we think right. he's doing on day seven, is he's taking a day off from his work wow. so that he can model for us what we should do. And that's part of lifting that fourth commandment as the crown jewel at the top of the list, right? But that's not at all what the ancient Near Eastern context would suggest. It would suggest, rather— that what he's doing is he's starting, beginning his rule of the cosmos that he just set up. He's sitting down on his throne, yes. and he's beginning a new process. What does Sabbath mean? Sabbath is a ceasing. It's a ceasing. And we've, we've come up with this idea and propagated it that that ceasing is ceasing of all work. But that's not the context. The context is ceasing of a certain type of work in the beginning of a different type of work. So what God stopped on day six or day seven was he stopped giving function and order to the creation. That was done. Everything works exactly the way it's supposed to. It's in its place. It's doing its thing. And now I'm going to rule. And humanity, look back at day six, you're ruling with me. Subdue and rule. Those are God things that I'm delegating to you. I'm not giving you all of it. We're doing it together. And if you do it under my function and order that I've set up in the first six days, you'll be at rest with me in my rule. And we'll be very busy. Until... Until, yes, amen. Until this is what the second story. Fall, yeah, that's right? what the second story is all about. Yes, and then the second the story, breaks, but the, Christ. Yeah, yes, yeah. The second story is not about uh, a retelling of the first story. The second story is a further telling of what happened 
Adam and Eve then are placed— Eden was the first temple, theologically speaking— Numerous people have landed in yes. that, okay? It has, it's not a building the way we would think yeah. of a temple, but it is God's place of his special presence, just like a temple is. And it is set up functioning and ordering under a certain set of rules, just like a temple does, right? So Eden's the first temple. Adam and Eve, the image of the one true God, just like in the pagan stories, it was written in a format that they would have understood, in other words, okay? That doesn't mean that we're copying the—our <laughs> story is dramatically different. There's not a pantheon of gods. It's just one, okay? The image is not a statue. It's a living creature, and the image of God is placed in the temple, Eden, and God begins his rest. And as long as those people— are living under God's rule and authority and following his lead within his structure and order, they are at rest as well. Uh, literally, it says in uh, chapters 2 and 3 that God rested Adam in the garden. That's the word. That's the Hebrew word. He, he rested mm-hmm. him there. Wow. He placed him there is how it, it ends up in our English, but it's, it's actually he rested him there. And then we all know the end of that story. What did Adam and Eve do? But let me give you a little different context or a different way to look at it. We just think they didn't follow a set of rules. Um, What they were really doing, what is that uh, choosing to eat that fruit from the forbidden tree, the one tree that God said, you know, my function and order is don't go there. When they decided to go there for whatever reason, whether it was an internal influence from the serpent, combination of both, um, When they chose to do that, what they were saying to God was, I don't trust that your days one through six are the best way to do this. Hmm. And that's interesting because that's what we do too. (laughs) They were trying to seize rule from God. That's right. right. They're they're saying, I want to create my own function and order. I don't like the one that you've set up. I'm going to do it for myself. And God says, Hmm. that's fine. You can do that, but you're not going to do it here because in this place, my function and order, my rule stands. So you're going to be exiled. You're going to still do the same things that I've given you gifts and talents to do, but now they're not going to be restful. They're going to be painful, right? Those are the curses. That land out there outside the garden, that land is going to be cursed and your work will be painful. Your labor will be painful. Uh, we often think of the the labor pains that the woman receives, the, the curse of that, as being literal pain in the physical body. That's how I always read it. But a careful study suggests that he's not talking about that. He's talking about now that you don't have access to the tree of life, your mortality will take over. And you will go out there and you will die. And woman, when you get yeah. pregnant, that's going to be painful for you. Not the birth. The <laughs> That's such a guy thing right there. The birth, <laughs> really? the birth <laughs> will be extremely painful physically. But that's not what I'm talking about. I don't think that's yeah. what the Bible's talking about specifically. It may include that. But it's the pain of that first missed menstrual stri- cycle that the woman knows I'm pregnant and I'm going to give birth to a child in this forsaken land, this cursed world, 
that I've been exiled to, and I know already the end of my child's story. He's going to die. Wow. And that is painful. And anybody that's a parent knows that, right? Because we see our children go through a world of chaos and experience pain. And it's probably one of the hardest things to watch is watch something that we brought into the world through God's glory and power, obviously. But watch that child experience the chaos of the world and the hurt and the pain. That's what our pain really is. Um, and if we get distracted by the birth pain, or for Adam, it's the pain and labor that is talked about. If we get distracted and think that our physical pain is the is what they're talking about, we've missed the whole thing. We're talking about a soul at pain out there in the world of chaos. Mm-hmm. And that's what Adam and Eve were exiled to. So God's rest— Let's just recap, because this is a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. When God rested on the seventh yeah. day, he's incredibly busy. But he is doing work that is restful because it's under his rule and authority. It's his cosmos that he has set up in the first six days. He is at rest. And because of the lack of the evening and morning motif, what do we know about God's rule? It didn't end on day seven like we have been programmed to think. His rule extended into day eight and day nine and day ten. God's rule exists even to today. Theologically, the Garden of Eden still exists. I don't don't think it's there physically. But theologically, we've got those two uh, cherubim at the entrance protecting the entrance to the tree of life. Theologically, that idea of God's rest, it's still there. That's the country that Abraham looks for. The author of Hebrews says when Abraham went off to look for a fatherland, I think that's what he was looking for. He was expecting to find the place of rest, God's place for him, a thing to do, place to be. And that's part of that repeated story as we see the themes repeated throughout the biblical story in the Old Testament. Uh, so what I just talked about was uh, chapter one, most, mostly. <laughs> and I take the rest of the book to kind of make it more practical. So, And I think that's really the helpful part for most people is how do we, if, if this is really the way we're supposed to view this, let's, uh, let's try and make it more practical. So how should we be viewing Sabbath today? Um, what is our uh, response to this idea, this concept of a soul at rest? And really, instead of, again, one day a week uh, trying to fix a symptom, what I suggest to people is on a daily basis, because that's really what the author of Hebrews says. He says, uh, he quotes the Old Testament, today if you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts like those people that came out of um, Egypt and didn't enter their rest because of their hard hearts. You today, if you hear his voice, have a chance to respond in faith, to not try and go back and reorder the cosmos like we are tempted to do, Mm -hmm. but to ask a better question. And that question is, today, what's my place to be? What has God brought across my plate? Where has he called me to? Am I listening to that? What's my thing to do today? 
It may be something that's already on your calendar. It may be something totally unexpected. You may get in, heaven forbid, a car crash, and you may be asked to speak truth into a life of a person that just hit you in their car. Unexpected. God does that with unexpected occurrences every day in our lives, and we know that intuitively. We often get done with a day and go, wow, I didn't expect that to happen, but I could totally feel God's hand on that, and I'm glad I stepped into that when the opportunity presented itself. If we can get in a rhythm of continually asking ourselves, today, I want to hear God's voice. What is it saying? What's my place to be and my thing to do today? Which, by the way, is on my wristbands that I've created. It's a nice. it's a trip off of the uh, WWJD thing from the 90s. And it's uh, W-M-P-T-B-A-T-T-D, which what's my place to be <laughs> and thing to do. And so if you can ask... That's much harder to remember. Yeah, Greg. no, I, I, I get that. It took my mom three weeks to uh, remember that, but she's got it down now. So if she can do it, I know everybody that's in the population, great. it's a possibility. So um, that's really, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of a good takeaway where I land is... Um, Let's get away from the one-day-a-week idea of treating symptoms, and let's get back to what Jesus was offering and how do I find my soul at rest. I know I'm at rest, just like you said, Chris. I know I'm at rest when I'm doing what I've been gifted to do, and I don't keep uh, an eye on the clock, right? When the day's over and it's like, wow, that went fast, and I I feel like I was used by God. Um if we can do that every day, awesome. we just step into yeah. God's rest, like the author of Hebrews suggests is already available to us. Amen. Gosh, Greg, Greg, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your your own <laughs> childbirthing pains of bringing this book into the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you understand that. <laughs> right? Thank you for the work that – yes, thank you for, for – toiling with the thorns and thistles um, to make this thing happen, because I think this is just going to be an incredible value to so many people. It was to me today. Oh my gosh. I mean, so much about what you said is just very apropos to my experience right now, what I'm going through in, currently in my life. And Chris, clearly, I know you said <laughs> it's, it's impacted you as well, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So Greg, I want to uh, pray for you uh, before we wrap up here, but, but real quick, where can folks find you online just so they can follow you, subscribe, yeah, good. whatever. Um, so uh, I've got a book website, rethinkingrest.com. That's the title of the book, Rethinking Rest. And I've got a podcast that people can listen yeah. to, and that's Rethinking Scripture. So uh, I've got the website that goes with that, rethinkingscripture.com. There's contact uh, tabs on each of those websites Somebody wants to get a hold of me. I would love, mm -hmm. as you can tell, I, I would love to talk about rest uh, until the cows come <laughs> home. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, we'll have those links in the show notes below uh, for folks who want to who wanna look into that. Man, do I recommend. I, I Man, I'm going to be recommending your book everywhere. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, let me pray, Greg, for you, for your family, for your ministry as we let you go. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, so much for this time together with Greg. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again um, for your word, God, the way it, it just 
it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it really does separate bone from marrow and, and just, um, God, cuts deep into, into the motivations of our hearts. God, I, I pray for everybody who's listening right now, Lord, that, um, that you would help all of us to, uh, uh, to appropriate this, this really profound truth in our lives, God, so that we can live um, restfully, not, not just one day a week, but on a regular, ongoing basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. God, thank you for Greg, for his family. Um, and, and Lord, I pray for your protection as he enters into this new season of promoting his book. Um, God, I pray that you'd provide for him. I pray that there'd be all sorts of opportunities to talk about this, Lord, and that your word would go forth, um, as you promise it will, uh, Lord, without, uh, without returning void, Lord, but would, would uh, water the hearts of mankind, find fertile soil there, and bring forth uh, the fruit of your gospel, Lord, uh, for your sake and for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. 